Okay. Uh, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Maxwell Ivey. I'm known around the world as the blind blogger, and in some places they also know me as Mr. Midway. But today I want you to think of me as Max, as your friend, and I want to bring you uh, into my, my house or my living room and introduce you to a good friend of mine who is also a very fascinating woman and a talented author. So uh, get ready today on What's Your Excuse? And uh, we will talk to Adriana Gavazzini from Brazil. And she is an attorney, a legal scholar, professor, author of a textbook on international contract law. But she has also recently started writing legal thrillers, or at least she started publishing them recently. Maybe she's been writing for a long time. We'll find that out. Uh, her first book is called Behind the Door, and it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a complicated plot, great characters, and I will let her tell you more about it because I know I'll just mess it up. Um, so, so much more in her life. She's one of these people who lives a full life. She's one of those people who uh, makes me feel like I'm sitting at home laying on my couch doing nothing. So, uh, Adriana, welcome to What's Your Excuse? How are you doing today? Hello, Max. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Well, it's a pleasure to finally have you on my show and to meet you in person. We have been uh, exchanging emails for a while since we met through uh, an author interview site, I think it was. And uh, I've been really impressed with you as a person and also with your book. So why don't you tell people a little bit more about you and your background and some of the things you love to do? Okay. Uh, would you like me to start by my legal career or just by my books? Because I have living, I have been living a very complex life. I'm uh, an attorney, and now I'm a writer. I still practice law, so it's a little bit complicated. <laughs> <laughs> well. This show is about transformation, and I think uh, one of the best parts about your story is the fact that here you are, you've, you're accomplished in so many things, but you decide to take on this whole new area of writing fiction. And yes, it's a legal, it's a legal thriller, but I doubt it's, uh, it's anything that you would probably see in the courtroom on a regular basis. So why don't you start with your legal career, just a little bit of it, and then tell people what made you decide to, to start writing and, and some of the things that helped you actually write your book. Okay, uh, I've been uh, an attorney, a lawyer for 27 years already, but I decided to start writing. I was 10 years old. Uh, I always loved a good story. I always loved books. Since the time I learned how to read, I've been reading everything I can. And when I was 10 years old, I decided to write my first book. Of course, I was ashamed. I didn't want people to read what I was writing. Uh, and I just tried that. But the dream was inside my mind for a long time. And some years ago, I decided to start writing again. So I wrote a door. It was my first novel. And then Lara's Journal. And now I'm writing the third novel in the cycle, because uh, Behind the Door and Lara's Journal are part of Hidden Motives series. Uh, but that's how I start. I started very young, uh, but in Brazil, 
uh, a writing ca career is very difficult. Uh, people don't take that uh, very seriously. That's the reason I wait so much to, to go professionally with it. Okay, excuse me for just a second. I hate to interrupt you, but there's something in the room that's making a squeaking noise. Is it a chair or a piece of furniture or something in your... Uh, can you think of anything that might be making a squeaking or squealing noise? A squealing noise? Maybe my air conditioner system. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't, we can't go without air conditioning, huh? Uh, we will just have to... We have to just, turn it off, okay? Well... I, Okay, that is that is so much better because I would hate for people to to be to be annoyed and st and quit listening to you because you have such a great story. So you started really young in Brazil. It's better. Now? Yeah. Yes, that's much better. Thank you. So you started uh, because in Brazil, writing is a is a very hard thing to do. I think you were saying. Yes. Uh... A writing career in Brazil, it's very hard. I believe it's hard in the United States and every country. But in Brazil, someone who decides to write is someone who decided to be a poor person. <laughs> because it's <laughs> hard to decide by being a dreamer. You just decide, I'm going to be a dreamer. And uh, so uh, I never thought about a writing career. I always love to write, and some years ago, I decided uh, to try to embrace this new career, to, to, to be a writer, a professional writer. I, I love how you're talking about how to, writers have to be dreamers, because one of my, my real favorite books lately is, uh, is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and she talks about how in there that one of the problems a lot of creative people have is expecting their creative work to pay their bills. And that creates pressure and also creates expectations. And I, I think it's interesting you talk about in, in Brazil, uh, an author is somebody who is expect, or they expect you will be poor. So I got to laugh out of that. Um, there are a lot of people writing for their passion who aren't making a lot of money at it though, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, there are many successful authors, of course, in Brazil, uh, abroad, but uh, they're not that much. There are just some stars that happen, and people say, oh, they had lucky. Uh, but in general, writers uh, can pay the bills. That's the reason I'm still a liar, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I have faith. I have, I've read your first book. I have faith that uh, at some point you are going to be one of those stars because your characters and, uh, and the tension you create between your characters is just, uh, it's the quality of what I would expect from a major production movie. So I, I feel like it's going to happen for you. And of course, we both know that a lot of stars uh, labored in obscurity for years, continuing to put in that work every day before they became stars. I hope so, Max. I hope that happens while I'm alive. Because <laughs> for many authors, that happens usually when they are already that, and have to be alive to see that because every character you create, every book you write, it's just like a child you have. You want to see that child uh, grow up, 
uh, to be successful, and it's very frustrating when it doesn't happen. I'm very new to this, so I still have lots of expectations. I believe in my work. I hope people like my work as you, you like my work. Uh, but uh, it's always a surprise to know what is going to happen. Uh, we don't know what future reserves to us. Right, right. Um, so when you write your books, you really don't know how they're going to end up as far as what the end, end result will be for the various characters, or you don't, you don't have a, a set plot in mind when you start writing? Sorry, Max, we are having yeah, we're, problems, I believe. Yeah, we're having a little trouble there, but it's it's all part of doing this thing. Um, I said, when, you, when you're writing your book, you, re, you actually don't know what the end result will be for the characters or the plot line when you start writing? No, I, I have a draw line, but um, as I'm writing, ideas just sprout in my mind and things change suddenly. I start to write, and then I have another idea. I change completely the scenario. And on my first novel, uh, I bet you didn't know who was the killer. And do you know the reason why you didn't know? Because I didn't know who was the killer until the end. Almost in the end, who was going to be the killer? So I let I let it flow. I don't try to plan too much. Of course, I have to plan some things, and I have a general line. But uh, some some things, some stories, I, I just let it flow. Well, that's interesting because I often tell people that writing nonfiction is easier because you don't have to figure out where the story is going to is going to go. It's pretty much a, a retelling of what's happened. But I didn't realize that some people who write fiction also take the same approach. Yes, write fiction. You have the freedom to choose how your characters are going to lead their lives. It's one of the pleasures of being a fictional writer because you can decide. And during our lives, we don't have that power, that much at least. We have the power to take some decisions, but you can decide for everybody. In a novel, you can decide the future, uh, life and death of every one of your characters. You are powerful when you write. It's great, it's a great sensation. I've never heard an author put it that way before. That's a, a great take on the whole writing process. I love that. Um, now, you mentioned that you're still an attorney because your writing has doesn't pay the bills. What are some of the things you do or some of the people you depend on as far as continuing to stay motivated or positive and being able to continue writing when you know that uh, that your books may not uh, be the successes that you hope they are? Well, uh, I believe because to write is a pleasure in itself. Uh, of course, if um, my books, my novels turn into a big exercise, it's going to be great. But the pleasure of writing compensates. It pays you just to have the, the, the 
to know you can write something, you can write a story, you can tell a story. Some people are going to like that story. That's a pleasure. Uh, maybe it's not going to be a bestseller, but I've received so many good reviews. Some people send me mails and they say, hey, uh, it's beautiful. I suffer with that character. Please give her more love on your next novel. Please uh, <laughs> give someone justice. <laughs> and it's nice to know people are reacting like that. So that, that's the beauty of being a writer. You can give people uh, reasons to laugh, to cry, to hate, to love while they read you. So uh, I believe that's the biggest compensation in writing. So what you're saying is, is that as long as you are doing it for your own pleasure, as long as you're focused on telling a good story, it makes no difference whether or not people enjoy it because it brings you joy to, to do it. And I think that's something that gets lost, especially with uh, with people nowadays, because there's so much pressure to make money from whatever you're doing right away. Of course, I believe if you decide to be less practical than I am, because I'm very practical. I have a career that career pays the bills. I'm not going uh, to just quit everything to write because uh, my books are not paying enough for now. But of course, uh, if someone decided just to write full time and the books are not paying, uh, uh, they are going to be very frustrated. It's not going to be for the pleasure because they decide to make a life. And uh, things like this take time. I believe everybody in this world can, uh, can have success. If they, they persist, if they give the, the time, uh, it's like to, to plant uh, something. You just put the seed on the earth and it has its, it, its time. Uh, it's not going to happen sooner or later than you expect. It's going to happen one day. But uh, if you have the pressure, uh, if your bills are knocking the door, it's going to be much more harder. So for me, it's a, a completely different story because I still have a profession. I still make a living of it. And uh, that gives me the comfort of uh, taking just the pleasure of writing. Yeah, I've, I've, I tell people that one of the things I really enjoy doing is interviewing people and being interviewed and neither really has any potential to pay me right now or in the near future but at the end of that 30 minutes or hour I feel so much better the rest of my day that they're worth doing because of the pleasure they bring me and I think that's what I'm getting out of you when you talk about your writing yes yes I understand you perfectly Okay, so what what caused you to start uh, putting your work out there now? And were there any problems you had actually uh, publishing and you know actually saying to the world, "Here's my book and here's my story, and I want people to read it." Courage. 
<laughs> you need a lot of courage uh, to put your work for public appreciation because you're going to receive good reviews, bad reviews, and uh, you need courage. If you don't risk, uh, you're never going to, to know if you're a good writer or a bad one. But I have half the courage, I have to tell you. That's the reason I published in the United States. Because as I'm a lawyer in Brazil, uh, my book, you know it very well, my novels, they have a, a percentage of erotica. And I didn't want to mix uh, my writing career with my legal career. A legal career is a very, it's all about tie and suit. Uh, so you can go there and say, hey, I write erotic and I'm a lawyer. So that's the reason I had just half courage. I published in the United States. And if one day I'm a best silent author in the United States, then I'm going to publish in Brazil. If not, it's <laughs> not going to happen. Because here in Brazil, I've been a, a professor, a law professor for 10 years. And I have a book on international contracts. I've, uh, I practice law. So I can mix things. That's the reason I tell you. You need a lot of courage to expose yourself uh, when you have already established life and career. Is there any one thing that helped you actually even have the half courage to publish it in the U.S.? Was there something, uh, was there one person or was it, was it faith? Was it uh, something in your upbringing? What was the thing that made you even have half the courage? Well, uh, I told myself I have to publish. I have to decide where to publish. And then I, de I decided to publish in the United States. Nobody told me, oh, go and publish in the United States. Uh, I, just, I just decided. Just decided to do that. Okay, so there there wasn't really all that much fear in publishing for you, but there was the concern that it might damage your professional reputation in Brazil. Yes. Yes. Of course. Uh, I was afraid people were, were not going to like my, my, my job, my work. Uh, people can hate a book they can destroy you. Uh, some reviews can be mean. Thanks God, until now, I didn't have that. I didn't face that. I saw some reviews at Amazon, for example, that, oh, my God, if I've ever seen one of them, I'm going back to home and cry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, people have been very polite to me. Uh, they, they tell good things about my work. I'm very happy about the, 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 the perception people about my work well i'm glad to hear that me personally i have not had any of those really terrible negative reviews i have yet to even meet a really bad person through social media so i've been blessed that way too and i think for the most part uh people who put their work out there generally are supported by the people online uh, I think it's the problem is is that those one or two people that get those horrible reviews you mentioned, 
they become the example that scares off so many. Yes. Uh, you, for example, you were a great guy to me. You never met me. And you helped me a lot. Uh, it's a, an, an, an entirely different world, the world of writers. I see everybody tries to help you. Uh, people who have more experience, they try to, to guide you. Hey, do this, this is doing okay for me. Do that, it's great. You told me, Max, do you remember? You need to give some interviews, Adriana. You need to tell <laughs> You need to be out there. So I, I said, come how are you going to give some interviews? And then we're out there uh, because you have a kind a kind of heart uh, uh, telling people, hey, this lady is great, interview her. I have so much to thank you and to thank people like you that have a real kind heart. And I don't know if you know already, I just dedicate uh, for you my second novel. There is a dedication for you there. I believe it didn't receive your copy yet, but uh, I'm getting I'm getting chills and I, I'm almost crying. I mean, uh, it's it's hard to believe that you can have that kind of connection and impact on people thousands of miles away just because you. You know, you you want to you want to see them do better or do as well as you're doing, and so thank you so much. That's a real blessing. No, it's the contrary. Thank you because you took me under your arm. You've never met me. It it was very pure and it was very beautiful, and it's another world. Uh, I come from a world, uh, the legal world. It's completely different. Uh, it's wolf trying to eat wolf and kill each other. <laughs> uh, and suddenly I go to the world where I belong. Because I feel, uh, I always felt I'm different. I always felt uh, I don't belong to this world of so competitive people that not help people. So I always try to help my students. Um, just today, I have students that are lawyers. They send me an email like, hey, uh, professor, I have this action. How can I do that? And I try to help. And suddenly, after so many years of not uh, finding help from other colleagues, I found so much help, so much kindness from authors. It's so different, and I'm so happy with that. Uh, it changed the way I see the world. Oh, I'm going to definitely have to to write that down because that's a very as it's a great it's a great take. Um, I think that not just authors but other creative people that they're all generally very supportive of, of others that are that are trying to do similar things in their lives because we all know just how hard this stuff is because it ain't easy um it is not something that uh that you do if you if you have a a, a weak spirit or a weak mind because it takes effort determination perseverance and it also takes a bad memory because there are going to be those days where somebody says something that isn't exactly kind to you but you can't uh, take that to heart and make it uh, and, and let it 
distract you from doing what it is you were were meant to be doing here. So I think not just authors, but creative people, musicians, filmmakers, even even video game developers, we all have a similar thing because we know how hard it is. Yes, because we are dreamers. We always dream of a better world, a better situation, people doing better, brotherhood, and things like that. I always felt like uh, I was looking for the mother's spaceship to come back for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine somebody whose heart is a, is who is a dreamer at heart having to make or making their living as an attorney. I can definitely imagine feeling like you're in the wrong universe. I can see that. Yes, but you know, law allow me to tell my stories. In Brazil, you have to, to tell stories, to write stories, to write the case for the judge to decide. So every time I had a client, I have a client and I write their stories for the judge, it was a way uh, of writing, of telling stories, of making them, their lives brighter. And uh, it was good. I, I love to practice law. I just hate uh, the, the judgments that are not usually based on, uh, how can I say, on fairness. Uh, they are based on lots of things that... Uh, had nothing to do with justice, but uh, it, it's a great career. You can also help people. I have some clients that really love me because I really could help them. And I never took a client that I didn't believe on his case. Uh, that's what makes me different because I see all the lawyers, they just take the client. They don't want to know if it's a bad case, a good case, an adventure. They just take the money off the clients and then goes. Here they go with the adventure of the century. And uh, I, I was different being a lawyer. I'm different being a lawyer. So I'm always feeling different. And now I have a family and all those authors and all those people who think the same way I do. I love what you just mentioned there about how you realized that being a lawyer, that uh, when you filed your motions and papers with judges and other lawyers, that it was just another time, another way of telling stories. And you used that as practice for your writing, for your real passion writing. And I think more people need to take your example and say, okay, what is there that I do during the course of my day at whatever job I have to do in order to pay the bills? What is there that I do during the course of my day that I could use as practice for what I really want to be doing? Yes, because if you don't do things with passion, uh, you're not going to do them well. Uh, it seems like a, a cliche or a commercial of happy, happy people, but it's not, it's the truth. If you do, uh, whatever you do, whatever you choose to do is passion. Someday you are going to see good results. That's the reason I believe someday my book is going to be out there, written by a lot of people, uh, people telling it's a great work, it's a great work. Because when you do passion, and I'm very Italian, I'm a Brazilian, but granddaughter of Italian, so, 
I'm very passionate about everything. I hate or I love. I don't like the warm term. <laughs> or I burn my tongue eating or I, throw, I freeze it, but I'm not going to drink anything warm. I wasn't going to do that in my career. Uh, so I do everything with passion. Law, teach, uh, write, uh, when you do with passion things, you are going to be happy. One way or, or the other way, it's going to happen for you. Yeah, and I can, I can tell that uh, just by talking to you that that's the way you do things. And when I, when I read about your life, I'm thinking, you know, you're, you, I, I, just, I said this in the beginning. Okay, people, just to, as a reminder, I'm talking with Adriana Gavazzini. Uh, she's a lawyer legal scholar, professor, author of a textbook on international contract law. She's from Brazil. She's the author of a series of books, legal thrillers with a lot of, with a lot of heat and passion to them, which isn't a surprise. Uh, and you can find her at agavazzoni.com, A-G-A-V-A-Z-Z-O-N-I.com. And, uh, you know, I, I said at the beginning you're one of the few people that makes me feel like a slacker. Cause I mean, you speak four languages. Um, you, you've ra you raise poodles, you paint, you dance. Um, I think you also have, uh, nieces or, I mean, tell some, tell people about some of your other interests outside of writing, because I want them to just see that you are passionate about everything. Just like you said. Oh, uh, I love, I have so many interests. <laughs> uh, it's hard to say. I love to cook. I'm a great cooker, for example. I've already did a chef de cuisine course. I took lessons. I cook for my friends. I love to cook for my friends. I love wine. I took lessons in France about wine during some years. I'm not fashionably, of course, but with friends that are analogs. So I love, I appreciate wines. And I love animals. Oh my God, I'm crazy about dogs and cats. I wouldn't have a house full of them if I have more time. And as I said, I'm a passionate person. I can't imagine to have a house full and not taking care of them uh, properly. Uh, I dance, I love to dance, I love to sing. When I'm happy, I sing. Uh, not very well, don't ask me to sing for you. But... <laughs> I sing all the time when I sing happy. I sing, sing, sing like a bird. And I have my nieces. I have four nieces um, from six years, six years old to 11 for girls. And we paint together. We cook together. I have many friends. And I believe you don't know one thing about me. I'm an astrologer. Amateur astrologer, I love the stars. So I do some astrology. I do some birth charts uh, for friends that I think need some help. They need to understand <laughs> themselves a little bit better. Do so I do the, the birth chart. Well, I need and some help. I need some help in the romance department. So maybe after we're through here, I can give you my birthday and you can do my chart. Sure, sure. You just gave me your data. And I'm going to do your chart, Mike. So of course. Well, I'll be I'll be interested to see what you come up with. Um, but you know that's the thing. You do everything with passion. You mentioned taking courses in wine and taking courses in in cooking. 
and then you you cook and you enjoy wine with your friends and your, your family. And I think that's another thing that people don't give enough credit for is these these things, these things that don't seem like uh, a massive deal, they are helping you develop yourself and grow your personality. And I'm sure that all these things you have learned help you in your writing. Yes, I have, I have such wonderful friends. I, I know how to be a good friend. That's the reason I have friends for a whole life, friends since I was a kid. And I love to laugh with them. I love a, a good laugh. I'm always telling jokes. I'm always trying to cheer up people around me. I talk a lot, as you can see. So I'm always telling stories to them. And I have this Italian family. We talk aloud. We laugh. We cry. We fight all together. I, I never had kids. I never had the courage to have kids. It's one thing I didn't do and I'm not going to do because I'm too old for that now. But, uh, and I love kids, but I, I think um, it's too much responsibility. I don't know if I would have the time to do it how I would like to do. So maybe next incarnation, if I have one, I'm going to be a mother, not in this one. <laughs> I can just imagine Italian and Brazilian and um, all that passion and energy. And plus, uh, are, are the languages similar or are they vastly different? Do you all understand each other when you get, it, when you get around each other? I mean, no, no. Uh, we, are, we are Brazilians. Um, from my, my, my parents' generation, they are all Brazilians. We all speak Portuguese. Uh, and I don't speak Italian. I have to tell you, I speak English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, some words uh, of Chinese uh, that I find very hard to learn, but I believe it's not going to be in this life because it's too tough, too hard, but I don't speak Italian. Uh, my father is very disappointed about that, I can tell you. <laughs> well, have you ever thought about writing a family history type book, uh, either, either, uh, either true, true or uh, doing like some authors do and loosely basing the characters on your family? Yes, but they inspired me a lot. Don't worry. There are many phrases on my novels that come from here in my family. <laughs> from my clients inspiration is uh, in all places I don't know if I could write reality um, I tend to have a kind heart uh, with people when I don't know if I could be crude enough to some of them uh, to tell how they, uh, they really are so I'm going to stay in fiction Max non-fiction is for tougher people like you <laughs> <laughs> it's hard I don't know if I'm tougher or if I'm just scared to try to write fiction so we will uh, have to agree to disagree on that subject as to which is which is tougher or which is easier or which, are, which takes more courage yeah I believe to write non-fiction takes more courage much more courage well, it helps me that apparently I don't, uh, I've told people this before and they, they tell me it's not a nice thing to say about myself, but it's honest. So I repeat it. And that is, 
I tell people that nonfiction is easy because I'm not smart enough to be scared. <laughs> no, but I'm a great fiction writer. You just have to start because you are a writer. A writer is a writer. You can write wherever you want. So I believe you do a great fiction writer. Well, I appreciate the the compliment and maybe someday I will try fiction. Uh, thankfully, I don't have to because there are so many uh, stories, both uh, mine and from, from uh, family members that I can share. And uh, thankfully, neither of us are at the end of our journey. We both have more stories that we'll be involved in that we can, we can share or that we can, as you do, maybe, maybe take parts of and include in your, in your, uh, in your books about your, uh, your legal characters. And so why don't you tell people a little bit about the series, the name of the series, the names of the books and what, and something about the plot, because I want people to buy this book. I mean, I want them to buy the, the books because it, it's a hell of a story. Okay. Uh, the series is called the hidden motives. Uh, why hidden motives? Because all the time while you're writing these books, I wanted to convey the idea that um, whenever you see a people acting some way or other, there is always a story behind that. There is always hidden motives. So the person is going to act uh, like an evil person, like a good person, but uh, she's always been motivated by her story. It's not something that happened because I decided to be mean today. But maybe my life turned me into a bad person. So um, Behind the Door is a thriller. It's the first one in the series. And it tells the story of Simone. Simone is a psychiatrist, specializing in paraphilias. It's strange sexual behavior. And she receives in her office many strange characters with diseases. And I've been researching before writing Simone, um, which were the, the most common paraphilias. And all you can see on those books uh, come from real life, from, come from my research. Uh, and they exist. They are not uh, imagination. They are, they are behaviors that really happens. Believe me or not, <laughs> but I also did a lot of psychological research to understand what motivates a person to like sadomasochism, for instance. People like pleasure, not pain. But there, there, there is a lot of people who love pain. What is behind it? What is the hidden motives for people who like to feel pain? So the book is all about that. And uh, Simone is hired by a lawyer, of course. I should have to have a lawyer in my books uh, to help him to, to, with his defense of a man who killed a girlfriend during a sexual game, a paraphilia, called apoxophilia. He suffocated his girlfriend. And the story develops about that, about Simone studying the case and the story of the killer, because the killer 
wrote about his relationship with this woman. And uh, always the psychiatrist is trying to understand what happened in this girl's life that uh, took her to, to a, a very bad end, killed by her boyfriend. Uh, it's all about that in the first uh, book, but I decided to add a um, serial killer who starts to kill women, and he has a signature, a criminal signature, and so police at FBI are going to get involved, and uh, they are going to try to find this killer. Oh, the, the, the killer... Uh, Everybody knows who is the killer in the end of the first book. At least, we think we know who is the killer at the end of the first book. And the second book is the second. It's called Lara's Journal. Because when Mark, the guy who killed his girlfriend, talks to the psychiatrist, he says, I decided to write about our relationship based on Lara's that had that, uh, she used it to write about her life. She was always writing a journal around me. So after her death, her siblings discovered this journal and Lara's journal is the first part of Lara's life since her childhood to her college years. Third book is going to go from Lara's, when Lara finished her college until she's killed. So uh, the book is a thriller. It has some erotica, of course, because a psychiatrist has to deal with the, the, the diseases, the, the, the paraphilias of her clients. She has to analyze the life of this girl but it's 10%. It's, uh, the majority of the novels are uh, about mystery, murder, hidden motives, psychological problems. Uh, and uh, it's a mix of genders. It's very hard to define in a only gender. It's not erotica. It's not just a thriller. It's not romance. It's not just mystery. It's a <laughs> It's a milkshake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it's a it's a complicated plot, it doesn't fit into any one genre. That's sure. I, uh, two things that I that I've noticed about the book is one is I love how you use the uh, Laura's journal and the idea of writing about that as part of a central part of your story, and how the psychiatrist becomes won over not by the client not by his lawyer, but by the, the words of Laura. By, she reads a little of her story, and she just can't put Laura's journal down. It's as if Laura's journal is a thriller. And that's like part of the, the center, center of this, this whole story. And the other line that comes to my mind is, I don't know if, if y'all had, if they showed this movie much in Brazil, but in the 80s there was a movie called A Fish Called Wanda. And Jamie Lee Curtis was the star in the movie, and she when. Yeah. The, movie, the movie was a big hit. And she said, yeah, it was an okay movie when they cast me for it. I told them we had to add some sex and some curse words before, so it, would, so it would, would sell at the box office. And I kind of feel like when I read your book, yeah, there's some pretty hot stuff in there, but it's not, 
it's not the the sole characteristic of the book it's it's uh it's it's not there for no reason but it's not like this book is 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 erotica or uh that this book might be in danger of being banned anywhere it's just that if you tell a story involving real human beings there's probably going to be some sex in there Yes, I didn't want to write erotica. I had erotica because the, it was the, the subject I decided the psychiatrist was going to be specialized. It was going to be her field. Uh, but uh, some people com uh, confuse it with erotica. Well, I may have had a little bit to do with that, but um, I've tried to I've tried to make it clear that it isn't. But it is a it is a page turner. Um, you know, uh, nobody's going to get in trouble. There aren't going to be any divorces or anything over somebody buying this book. It's a I I've, I keep going back to the chemistry, to the tension between the characters. You've you've done a good job of creating uh, these people and. They seem to connect with each other in spite of a real desire not to, not to want to. Yes, and they are going to grow. Uh, during the series, uh, you must have remarked, Simone is a pretty, um, uh, she's a very professional lady. She's had, she has her emotions under a lot of control. And she's not the emotional kind of person, but that is going to develop during the series. On book two, she she has more emotions. You are going to see her feelings. Uh, you're going to see Simone's suffering also, and falling in love uh, on the second novel, but uh, finding love. Let's say like that, and not falling in love finding love and uh, on the third one her journey continues i show how a person can develop uh to the experience uh she has in life so simone has hard experience in her life that uh, provoke changing in her personality and the way she sees the world I like that. When when an author will allow their characters to grow and evolve instead of trying to keep them exactly the same as they were in the first book. And I'm sure that's a temptation for authors if that first book is a big seller. It's like, uh, do I want to risk uh, allowing my characters to grow up a little and maybe alienate my audience? But that's not the kind of characters I look for myself. I believe cards uh, must be just like us. Every hard step in our lives changes our life. You are uh, the biggest proof I ever know, Max, of difficulties in life made you a great writer and uh, changed your life. So we say in Brazil, we have a saying in Brazil, we say, give me a lemon and I'm going to give you a lemonade. I'm not going to turn into an acid person. Uh, so uh, uh, that's what I want to show to my readers. Uh, characters are going to grow and are going to change themselves because it's uh, what life uh, does to people. Some people can grow a lot with their pains. Some people can change a lot, improve or, or get worse. 
There are people that turn uh, into not um, when you love wine, you always say someone is aging like a good wine. But yeah. some people who are facing difficulties, uh, facing hard times, can turn into a vinegar also. And so that's what I want to show in my books, uh, that uh, people are just the product of what they've been through in life. All right. If you were wanting to think, if you were to think of just one piece of advice or uh, that you could share with people that would allow them to to try something totally new, like you did when you when you decided to put your work out there and, and declare yourself as a professional author, what is one thing or one example you can give people? Because that's what we want to do at the end of this show. I want people to think she's written three books. She's a she's a lawyer. She's but her lawyer, her law practice wouldn't have necessarily prepared her to write these books. So if she can do it, if she can make this big leap and put herself out there as an author, then what is my excuse? And I want, so, so I want you to, if, the, if possible, what is one thing you can tell people that will, will help them do that? I believe so many things like I could tell Max, uh, first of all, you have to risk. If you don't take the risk, never is going to happen. Uh, you have to have patience and luck doesn't exist. I don't believe in luck. I believe in hard work. I believe in exposing yourself, uh, trying your best to succeed, uh, try the best to learn, 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 and learn because uh, I don't know everything. I need to learn a lot. Uh, you can see my English is not perfect. I need to improve even from my English to the rest of my life. I'm always trying to learn. The more you learn, the better you are going to be. Uh, you are going to improve. But if you don't take the risk, uh, all, the, all the hard work, all the, the learning, um, it's going to be uh, lost because you need to risk. You need to believe in yourself. If you believe that your work is good, someone is going to believe because it is uh, for someone. And always remember when the reviews start, when the criticism starts, when people start to point fingers, the worst fingers that are pointed to you come from people who never had the courage. So they are frustrated. Uh, they can't, uh, they can risk, they can take risks. People who took the risks, people who uh, just decide to live their life and not believe it, uh, are kind, they're good, they want to help just like humans. And, but uh, those people are rare. You're going to face mean people, bad people, but you have to face you just have this life. I'm always kidding about next life. I'm going to do this or that. But I don't know. We don't know if we have another life. We just have this one. We don't know for how long we are going to be here. And uh, I try to live the 24 hours I have in a day the best I can. I don't know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow. So I try to take the risks. I try to do what I believe. Every day a little bit, uh, whenever I have the time. 
And uh, that, that's what people need to do to follow their dreams. Uh, it's very nice to say, oh, uh, I don't know who is a star. He's selling millions of books. Do you know how that person starts? Uh, you don't. Try to see the hidden motives. Try to see the hidden story. And then you're going to see it's always, always, and always about hard work and risks. Yeah, and that's one of the things, uh, one of the reasons why I encourage people to read, especially biographies, because uh, so many of these people who have become stars, people that are, are, are idolized by other authors, musicians, whatever, if you read their story, most of them come from times of adversity and trial and struggle. Uh, one of my favorite stories I recently learned is that when Wayne Dyer wrote his first book, he had to pay to have them printed from a vanity press. And then he got in his car and drove around the country and sold them, at least in the beginning, one book at a time. And I'm just thinking how much courage and belief in himself he had to have to do that. Uh, and yet here we are, you know, 30, 40 years later. And I can say Wayne Dyer, even to people who don't, who don't visit the self-help section and they know who he is. Yes. You have to believe, I don't know if it's true, but I heard another day that Sylvester Stallone had to sell his dog uh, to, to keep his dreams uh, to, because he had wrote some the movie and he believed in that and he had nothing more. He just had his dog. He had to sell the dog and then bought it back when he was famous. I don't know if it's true. I couldn't sell my dogs, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't sell my dog for two reasons. One, it wouldn't. One, I couldn't do it, and two, nobody'd take her. Um, <laughs> no, mine somebody would take because they are very, very, very nice to people. <laughs> They're not very pretty, but they are nice, so people would have them. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I love them as if they are my own kids. But it's just an example. If, right. if you can do sacrifices. You can do huge sacrifices for your dream. It's yeah. what requires. I don't know many lucky people. Uh, I know people doing their jobs. Well, Adriana, I have had a great time talking with you. Believe it or not, our hour is up or almost up. But... Uh, I'm really glad that we finally got to uh, to meet and have a conversation, get to get to learn more about you. And I'm I'm hoping my li my listeners and viewers will will take your example and go out and and take some sort of a risk today. So thank you very much for coming on the What's Your Excuse show. No, Max. Thanks. Thank to you. Thank you for all your support. Uh, you are one of those persons in my life that I will always, always, always be grateful for all the help, all the support, all the kind words. And I, I wish for you and your life all the best. And well, thank you. And, and if y'all want to get to know this, this amazing person, it is Adriana, go over to agavazzoni.com, A-G-A-V-A-Z-Z-O-N-I.com. And thankfully, I've finally learned to spell it correctly um, because for like three months, I've been, I've been putting two 
uh, one Z and two N's instead of the other way around. Um, but definitely go over there, connect with her on her website, uh, visit her social media pages, and uh, reach out to her. She's a very nice lady, and if you have a if you have a blog or a podcast that you need a guest for, I hope you will also reach out to her for that because uh, she's one of those people who you and your audience will be blessed just by coming in contact. Thank you, Max. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate you doing this. You have a great day now. And yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we had another great interview this week with Adriana. And uh, I'd like to take a few minutes at the end to tell you what I think that I learned from, uh, from the interview. And uh, I think the, the main thing I'm going to take away from this and the things she said over and over again is that you have to take risks. And that those people in your life or online who are critical of you and your work, they're critical because they have yet to have the courage to take those same risks. So is there something you can do today, some small thing? Is there a course you can sign up for? You know, Adriana mentioned taking courses in wine appreciation and cooking. Is there a mentor? Uh, she talks about being a lover of dancing. I'll bet you that there's somebody in her family that uh, they have all learned from. Uh, so, you know, those are the things I want you to ask yourself today. Think about this. This is a woman who has been an attorney over 25 years, a law professor, a legal scholar, author of a textbook who decided that she wanted to become a professional writer. She decided those things she used to do for fun, she wanted to put them out there in the world and share them with all of us. And we're all better for the fact that she has shared these stories because I don't give my endorsement lightly to anybody and she tells a hell of a story. And I can't wait to read the second and third parts and see the rest of, uh, of Simone's life. Very much looking forward to that. Um, she decided to do that kind of late in life, but she decided to do it. She wrote her book. She published it. She promoted it. And she gives me a lot of credit for helping her do interviews, but I have no doubt that she would have eventually done them on her own. But the thing is, she took the chance. She published a book that's, Kind of edgy, a little racy. There's some pretty hot sex in it. Uh, but it's, at the end, it's a, it's a mystery. It's a legal thriller. It's a fun read. It's also a complicated read with some great characters, and I couldn't recommend the books more. So ask yourself, if this woman can break out of the comfort zone, can take this big risk of, you know, what if people find out that she's writing this stuff in Brazil? If she can have even that much courage to publish her book in the United States and to say, I'm a writer, I'm an author. If she had that kind of courage, then ask yourself, if she can do it, then what is my excuse? And I know you're thinking, hey, she's a successful attorney, and so she doesn't have the same level of fear that we do. You heard her say it. She had half courage because she was willing to release the book in the U.S., but not in Brazil or South America. She needs to maintain her professional persona until the books become big sellers 
and she can quit her day job. So I'm serious. She's a great example, and I hope that you've listened to her today and gotten something good out of the interview. Um, this is What's Your Excuse? I am Maxwell Ivey, the blind blogger. You can find the episodes on theblindblogger.net, theblindblogger.net. You can connect with me on Twitter, at Maxwell Ivey, youtube.com slash Maxwell Ivey. If you want to contribute to my work, you can go to paypal.me slash Maxwell Ivey. You can also purchase my books or hire me as a coach. So far, I've written two books, Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light, A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success. And It's Not the Cookie, It's the Bag, An Easy-to-Follow Guide to Weight Loss Success. And I'm currently finishing the book about my Amtrak adventure where I went to New York City solo during the Christmas, New Year's holidays. And it's going to focus on the lessons you can learn from the blind guy who had the courage to do this all by himself. Of course, it wasn't all by myself because I had all of y'all with me. But for the most part, it was just me. All right. Uh, you can also hire me as an online media publicist. I can get you booked on radio shows, podcasts, YouTube interviews, etc. as Adriana was mentioning, something I've done for her. And something she seems to be pretty happy with my work since she said she's dedicating her second book to me. Man, that is so cool. That is so awesome. I can't believe that shit. Um, sorry about the cursing, but. You know, sometimes it's just appropriate. I hate to say it. Sometimes it is. All righty. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I know you have lots of uh, demands on your time, and you have many things you, you could choose to use what spare few moments you have. So thanks for spending it with me. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, thank you. Thank God, and take care out there. This is Max Ivey, the Blind Blogger. <laughs>